The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. Hope everybody is doing well. Halfway through the week to an awesome weekend. Holy shit, I am looking forward to this one. You have Ryder Cup, you have Oktoberfest, you have Badgers Notre Dame, you have Packers 49ers. Awesome, awesome weekend. We got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Packer defense against the San Francisco offense. Why fear the coach, not the actual offense itself. Also, we will talk about why the St. Louis Cardinals team probably is not going to be the 2011 team, although it's given me a lot of weird vibes and a lot of heebie-jeebies. Lastly, how the Wisconsin Badgers can play themselves right into the college football playoff. Yes, you heard me right. The Badgers, that team that only scored 10 points against Penn State, they can be in the mix, and it's not that hard for them in Speaking, they still got to be some good teams, but I'll break it down for you, and it could happen for Wisconsin. Trust me. It is wide open this year, folks. All right, but let's start with the Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers are coming off their win against the Detroit Lions, and we could spend a day you know, reveling in that, but it's a short week. We have to get ready for San Francisco. It's San Francisco week. I think this is one of the biggest games of the year in terms of rivalries. That is a little preview for Mitch and I's tapping the keg tomorrow. This game to me matters a lot. And I, I don't know if it matters for the players, but at least from a fan perspective, this game is very important. I think what the Niners put in the ethosphere of, and I don't even know if that's a word, uh, it's, I'm taping late tonight, so you could get a lot of weird words from me. But whatever they put into the atmosphere, let's go not ecosphere, let's go with the atmosphere. Whatever they put in the atmosphere for the NFL draft, whether they were the ones or it was Rogers Camp, whomever it may be the 49ers have blood on their hands and they deserve retribution and they deserve payback and maybe the players don't give a shit but I fucking do I care about it a lot and when I look at this matchup I think a lot of you might see a scheduled loss I'm not gonna lie to you I'm less confident in this game than a lot on the schedule this is probably one of the games I'm least confident in That said, as I've thought about this game a little bit more, I've grown a little more confident, honestly. And and look, this happens a lot with me. I am a biased Packer fan. I, I do know games where it might be a loss and I'm just prepping myself for a potential loss. But I also do get confident and believe in my team because if you don't believe in your team, you're not fanning the right way. You're not enjoying the sport. Yeah, you could assume maybe a loss is on its way, but maybe, just maybe, you're gonna your team's actually gonna win and surprise you. I think it's no fun to just be like, "Well, I I knew they were gonna lose." Like that fucking sucks, man. It's like the people who bet against their team. Like I I think those people are losers. Like look, the Cardinals tonight were like plus one sixty five tonight to win. They were great favorite. Like you could have cleaned the fuck up tonight on the Cardinals. I, I, if it was any other team, I'd be like, they've won nine straight games. Like, throw all your money in Saint, on St. Louis. And I didn't, obviously, because, again, the Brewers are my team. And I'm not going to just do that to my team. But with San Francisco, I am not as confident in them as the season started because the more you kind of peel back the onion you realize that the Packers and Niners aren't that different. And they're actually, the Niners are worse for wear offensively than Green Bay by a, by a large spectrum, shall we say. Um, they There's just a wide gap between the two offenses. 
So Green Bay and San Francisco played a common opponent already. That's pretty rare in two weeks of the NFL season. They both played the Detroit Lions. Now Detroit Lions are going to fight. They're going to bite your kneecaps, as Dan Campbell would like to say. But they don't really play a lot of defense. The Niners put up 41 points. Actually, they might have had an interception return, so 34 points, which is almost perfect because Green Bay put up 35. So basically, that is a complete wash. So you're like, well, Charlie... We only put up three against New Orleans. We looked terrible in that game. Yes, we did. I'm not. We we don't need to talk about that. We flushed that. Remember, but San Francisco only put up 17 points against the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. Did they win? Yes, they held the Eagles to 11 points. But that's partly because Jalen Hurts is a young quarterback, and the Niners have, still have a very good defense. And there there are a lot of other things to that equation. It's not just hey, the Saints are better defensively than the Packers. Well, that, that is it, but it's more the Saints. Basically, what I'm trying to say is the Saints have a better offense than Philadelphia does at this time. Now, granted, I think any team in football would have kicked the Packers' ass that Sunday. Like, I think the Jaguars would have kicked the Packers' ass. I think the Jets would have kicked the Packers' ass. I, I don't necessarily think any team would have lost to Green Bay on that day because Green Bay was so completely out of it. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to explain that game. But still, San Francisco leaves you kind of cold. Like, how can people look at this team and say, all right, this offense is a juggernaut at this point? It's not. Their coach is a juggernaut, who we can talk about in a little bit. But if you go through the roster, yes, George Kittle is there. But George Kittle hasn't had that much of an impact through two weeks of the NFL season. Debo Samuel had a massive game against the Lions. He played well against Philly as well. He's leading the NFL right now and receiving, obviously, two weeks in. It doesn't really matter that much, but Debo's having a solid start to the year. The Brandon Ayuk thing's really weird. Brandon Ayuk was a guy the Packers wanted. Like, if I was Brian Gunacus, I might reach out to John Lynch and be like, what do you want for Ayuk? Like, could we trade? Could we make a deal here and get Ayuk to the Packers because they need to place a bunch of receivers next season? Like, why not? Because Ayuk was a guy the Packers had on their fucking radar, and he was drafted. And this is goes back to the Rodgers love thing, which we don't need to go into. Which we've already talked way too much about that all year. But that's that's been odd. Trent Sherfield has played over him. Trey Sermon finally got an opportunity in week two and he got a concussion right away jamichael hasty's out for multiple weeks kyle shannon said no word yet on elijah mitchell if elijah mitchell is going to be able to go for san francisco on sunday they are a mess and injuries yet again and especially at the running back position and that to me is where you need to have a guy now I know what you're going to say. Kyle Shanahan can run anybody out there. He could run my fat ass out there, and I'd still end up with 50 yards. That's possible, right? But still, it's hard for me to just wrap my head around that. Is Trent Trenton Cannon really going to be a 100-yard rusher against the Packers? Maybe. And that might piss us all off, and we might just go crazy and like, how the fuck did this guy do this? But at the same time, it's going to be very hard for San Francisco to to have that chemistry, right? Especially in the run game, and they're predicated off the run. They're predicated off play action. And they won't be able to do some of the things that they've done in the past against Green Bay with Raheem Moser running it down our throats. That type of shit is not happening. 
they do not have much at the running back position right now. They are very thin, which means they have to rely more on Jimmy Garoppolo. And when you let Jimmy Garoppolo beat you, you can beat San Francisco. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make bad plays. Jimmy Garoppolo does not throw that a sticks. Jimmy Garoppolo is not somebody that's going to let go of the deep ball. It seems like Kyle Shanahan is just playing Jimmy G about as conservatively as possible until Trey Lance is ready. Now, would Kyle Shanahan go as far as to put Trey Lance into the game? That, to me, is my worst nightmare. Because I do think if Trey Lance comes into the game, all bets are off. Anything that I've said this week heading into the San Francisco game, you can completely flush it. It's part of the reason why I love playing San Francisco this early is because I know Kyle Shanahan does not trust Jimmy G. And there is not that relationship that Rodgers and LaFleur have. They do not have it. Those two guys, I don't think see eye to eye. And I think Kyle Shanahan is starting to creep into, I have all the answers. Because everybody sucks his dick. And and yeah, he's a great coach. I get it. But at the same time, like you can see that ego building with the Ayuk stuff, with the Trey Sermon stuff. Like... It's kind of building there where if the Niners put up like 17 points this weekend, this weekend, let's say Packers win 23 to 17, very close game. Maybe it's a last second score from Rodgers. I mean, it wouldn't the question be, are we sure Kyle Shanahan is as good as we say he is? Oh, he doesn't have the running back. They need a running back and they'll be fine. They need to start Trey Lance. They'll be fine. But I don't think this defense for the Packers is screwed against the San Francisco offense. They're just not. They just need to play a lot like they did in that second half. Now, will San Francisco and Shanahan diagnose the second half and find ways to tear it up? Absolutely. But the idea that the Packers would go back to that soft zone shit or that soft man shit in the first half would be a a critical mistake. As well as not starting Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes deserves to be out there. We said it last week. I blogged about it. I talked about it. Eric Stokes needs to be out there. You have to have Eric Stokes out there. You can rotate Kevin King in if you want. We'll see what Shannon Sullivan's injury looks like. um, Because he might be down. That could obviously change a lot of this. And you need to have guys like Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos up on on George Kittle. Like TJ Hawkinson had a big game against the Packers. You cannot let that let George Kittle cook. Because if George Kittle cooks, you're in a lot of trouble. And yeah, Debo Samuel is a bitch to deal with, but Jair Island is Jair Allen. And Jair can really lock up a guy like Debo Samuel. I think that is a perfect matchup for Jair Alexander. So it really comes down to Kittle. And can you make sure Kittle doesn't get free, get loose? Like make life a living hell for George Kittle is what I asked the Packers to do. I think that, to me, would be my number one goal for the defense, as well as let's repeat what we are doing in the second half. Let's add a few more wrinkles. Let's do some different shit so it's not all scouted looks for Kyle Shanahan because he's going to tear us up on that. I am. It is a massive disadvantage. There will be a lot of people telling you to bet the, bet the Niners because of that disadvantage. But I'm just telling you right now, this Niners offense is unproven. I could argue this entire team's unproven. They beat the Eagles and the Lions. What I mean, what is that, right? We have no no knowledge on how good this Niners team is. 
And with the, all the issues at running back and having to put your faith in the Jimmy G, that to me is a little bit of a red flag for San Francisco. It makes me feel a lot better about this game for the Packers. Moving on from the Green Bay Packers to the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers have lost five of their last seven. It's not great. Um, it's probably one of the toughest stretches for the Brewers really since I think early May. Um, I think it's a lot of we've already pretty much clinched everything syndrome. I, Brandon Woodruff mentioned a little bit after the game who pitched his ass off. He was great tonight, struck out 10 batters. I think he retired the last 11 he faced after giving up one run in the first inning. So good to see him get right. Uh, but Woodruff said, like, we're still playing baseball. Like, we know we have this thing wrapped up. We know we have a large lead, but we're still playing baseball. And we need to come out there every night and deliver. And it just sort of seemed like maybe this was a little bit of a wake-up call for the Brewers. Um, just based on those comments. That the Brewers are like, all right, let's put these clowns away. I think Craig Council's probably saying to them, like, if all you guys got to do is win two games against these guys and you're done. Like, we'll put you on ice the rest of the year. You got to face them again the following week. Not a lot of you will play. We're going to check out all of our postseason roster opportunities. Like, you guys are going to get some time off here. But you got to win baseball games. And tonight, they had ample opportunities to beat the Cardinals. And they just could not get it done. Colton Wong, I thought, had a home run. And I thought this game was tied. And it went short by about, I don't know, five or six inches. And some of you will, five or six feet, let's be a little more generous. Um, and a lot of you would say, well, that's Cardinals Devil Magic at work. And for those who might not know Cardinals Devil Magic, it is a popular hashtag on Twitter around this time when the Cardinals just seem to get every fucking break in September and December. I really feel like Cardinals Devil Magic rose to prominence in the 2011 season where Cardinals Devil Magic was all over the place. They win in five games against Philadelphia with a wild game five against Philly. The, they go to Milwaukee to face the Brewers because they are the wild card team. The Brewers had beat the Cardinals decent amount that year, but the Cardinals basically looked like the aggressor. They looked like the better team. It was a complete manager mismatch with Tony La Russa and Ron Renneke at that time, and then they went to the World Series against the Texas Rangers in arguably the best World Series I've watched. I, I would say it's right up there. I'd have to go through the list to really give you that strong opinion, but one that I remember really well was that, that one. I remember there was a girl who, I, I mean, I was terrible at signals. Um, it's amazing that someone married me. But my there was a girl who like gave me the multiple haze or the haze with a bunch of whys. Where it's like, hey, you know, one of those, right? On the Thursday night of game six of the World Series. And I and like at that time I was like, oh cool, whatever, like just chat while I'm watching the game. Like it was on my big recliner, like good seat, like just enjoying the game. We had a pretty big TV at the time. And I think they're like, oh, you should come out, like you should come see me, yada yada. And I was like, eh, just go watch baseball. And the game went to like midnight. I think I said I'd meet him out after. And like my dumb ass is like, fuck, all these bars will have the game on, dude. Just watch the game while while you're dancing, while you're buying drinks, like, you know, you could have ended up with a nice, easy pick up there. But me, I'm just like, I'm just watching baseball. It's like, if you're a young buck and you're listening to this, like, just 
read signs. I hope you'd read signs better than I did. Like, I just fucking blew that completely. Um, and then, yeah, I had an awful weekend after that. A very memorable, awful weekend, but one that was that will always uh, be etched in my mind, unfortunately. Because the Cardinals won the World Series. They got too drunk. I kicked out of a bar. You know, it is, it is what it is. But anyways, um, here nor there, we'll dive, we'll go off that topic and talk about why I don't think the 2011 Cardinals are the same as the 2021 Cardinals. First of all, the managers are... Worlds apart. Tony Larusa, uh, he's a prick. I don't like Tony Larusa. He rubs me the wrong way so much. He's one of, I think, the bigger Brewer rivals in the last, you know, two decades, right? But he's a fucking good manager. He's won a ton of World Series. He's gotten to a bunch too. There's a reason why he's one of the best modern day managers in baseball. Not modern day, because modern day makes it sound like, oh, we're playing stickball. But like last quarter century, right? Last 25 years, last like even last 50 years, half decade. Like I think La Russa is way up there in terms of best managers. So A, you have Mike Schilt now. And Mike Schilt is a bad manager. Mike Schilt, the Tiger will show his stripes at some point. At some point, Mike Schilt will, you know, turn himself into a pumpkin, okay? Like this is not going to be... Just Mike Schilt immediately figuring out how to push all the right buttons. Mike Schilt is pretty incompetent. There's a lot of Renicky vibes to him. There's a lot of, you know, soup pitch great kind of attitudes that Mike Schilt brings to the table. So, like, I do not necessarily believe that Mike Schilt has any sort of chance of being a World Series manager. He's just not a guy I could see hoisting up the trophy. He's not a guy that I can even see win the pennant. I just think he's going to get tight at some point. And there are managers who are in the National League who are better than him. I'd argue maybe all of them. Like, I don't know. He beat Brian Snicker, the Braves manager. But I still might put him over it. And he has the experience, right? He's been to a championship series. He lost in seven to a good Dodgers team. And they had no home field advantage. That was a weird, easily one of the weirdest playoffs of, I think, any of our lifetimes. But to bring it back to the Cardinals, the comparison here, like that Cardinals team went 18 and 8. They were red hot. They had a pitching staff that was young but established with some aces. Like Chris Carpenter was incredible that year. I mean, that 2011 team was absolutely, you know, dynamite. And a young Adam Wainwright who now is looking. I, I He won't be the Cy Young, but the guy's going to get some Cy Young votes. I mean, he probably deserves it. I mean, yeah, so they had Chris Carpenter, Jaime Garcia, Kyle Loesch, Jake Westbrook, and Edwin Jackson. Fernando Salas was their uh, closer at the time. Wainwright, Wainwright must have got hurt that year. Wainwright was not on that team. Jason Mott, remember him? Uh, Trevor Miller, uh, that's another name that... That was out there, but I mean that they, they had they had an awesome team that year. I mean, and it was all older guys. It it reminds me actually a lot of the Giants, and I mentioned that I think on a podcast when we were kind of previewing that that big Brewer series. Like this Cardinal team does not have that same sort of old guy been here before mentality. Like yes, they have Yadier Molina. That to me that hasn't changed, but. 
they have a lot of young dudes who will be in that moment for the first time. Carlson's 21. Bader's 27. Tyler O'Neill, who drives me crazy, is 26. Paul DeYoung's been in some moments. Tommy Edmonds, 26. Like, they are actually a more inexperienced team offensively than the Brewers. Sure, you have Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Molina, but also Goldschmidt and Arenado, like, do not have any postseason success. And you could make the argument, if you wanted to zag here, you could say, this is the best thing that's happened to the Cardinals, and the future has never been brighter, and we're going to retake our spot in the NL Central against the Brewers next season. Remember, we heard this from the Cardinals last year, and it didn't happen. That, oh, full year, we'll... We'll be back. We'll be we'll be in the mix. Everything will be good. And you look at their pitching staff right now, and it. I mean, I don't know. Again, you have Adam Wainwright. You have Huang Kim as your really your second starter. You have Lester, who's been pitching pretty well. Like John Lester has actually been pitching well. It's been a good pickup. Jay Happ has been a nightmare. Jake Woodford might be something. He's twenty four years old though. Like again, you're putting a lot of faith in the young guy. Can Miles Nicholas figure it out? I, I just do not like look at this team and say, all right, this is the same Cardinals devil magic. They have a lot of ripe talent. And the other thing, the maybe the bigger thing, is you're really telling me that the Cardinals are going to go to LA. They're going to beat the Dodgers in a one-game playoff with Max Scherzer on the mound. Who Max Scherzer, St. Louis native, has dominated the Cardinals this year. I think he's had two starts against them, and I think he's been flawless. You're really telling me in that moment, Max Scherzer's is Max Scherzer's not going to deliver? I mean, he's having a CC Sabathia-like year. And if by somehow the Dodgers miss out on it, and it's the Giants and Cardinals in the NLDS, again, you're going to tell me that Giants team who's been the best team in baseball, who hasn't gone away, who hasn't faded into the sunset, you're telling me that Giants team is going to lose to this Cardinals team? Where the Giants, as I mentioned before, look more like a 2011 Cardinals team with a bunch of older guys, some who've been there before, some who haven't, but I have this that grizzled attitude about it. I, I, I can't see that. And if the Cardinals and Brewers do meet in the NLCS again, which, I mean, that would just be way too weird because it would be 2011 when it happened and I was coming off the heels of a Packer championship and we'd be coming off the heels of the Bucks champion. I Like, there are way too many similarities there that would freak me out about the cosmos that's, that was going on here. But I just can't see it. I look at this team, guys, and I just don't see the same sort of Cardinal Devil magic. It could be real for the regular season. I mean, they've won 10 straight games. They're playing great baseball. They're the hottest team in baseball. Unfortunately, the Brewers are playing them. That sucks. It sucks that 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 has to happen. And I think they're feeling no pressure because the Reds and Padres keep pissing down their legs. Reds lost again today. Some guy got the Reds World Series champ tattooed on his fucking ass. And he's like, 10-game winning streak starts now. Look, bubs, I've done that shit. Like, I've shaved my beard. I've changed with beer. I've drank. I'm a superstitious guy. I'm all for rallying. But getting a tattoo on your ass that says World Series champs, it couldn't be dumber. And now, I don't know. Maybe him and the tattoo artist have talked about it. They're like, hey, if this doesn't go south, like, can you change it? Whatever. 
Or the guy saying, look, it's on my fucking ass. I, I don't care. I don't give a fuck. It's on my ass. It's not a big deal. It Life moves on, right? Who knows? So I think the Cardinals are playing just carefree baseball right now. And they are just soaring. The Brewers hopefully can respond tonight. And again, I would not freak out by this. I would not be like, oh my God, here we go again with the Cardinals. It is very ironic. It's very, It's kind of funny in a weird way. Just more of a, I think, a narcissist. Not even narcissist, that's the wrong word. It's, I shouldn't say it's funny, but it's just like, it's so uh, it's so typical. It's so classic Cardinals for them to kind of steal the show here in the final month of the season. Uh, tomorrow you have Nicholas, who's been kind of assy so far, against Brett Anderson, who's going to be making his first start in a while. And a lot of pressure on Brett. Uh, we will not have a uh, reaction after that game, as Mitch and I will be taping. We will have a Brewer segment, though. I have a good Brewer segment for Mitch and I on, on Wednesday, so look forward to that. Um, but, yes, the Cardinals, man, they, they just somehow do not die. And they've not only sque- they've not even squeezed their way into the second playoff spot. They have owned that shit. And I will say this. Say something nice about the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm glad someone is going out there and fucking winning it and not backing their way in. Backing your way in is something we've seen a lot with college football playoffs before. You know, team loses and they somehow still get in. I don't think the Wisconsin Badgers would have that luxury. Uh, Wisconsin already has one loss. They have a big game against Notre Dame. It is college game day. Big noon Saturdays there. Basically why you have everybody there is because it is the really the only game on the slate. It is a weak slate. It is a slate to go with your significant other to Oktoberfest on Saturday. It is a slate to watch more of the Ryder Cup and have football on your second TV. So I, I wouldn't blame you for either of those moves because after Wisconsin and Notre Dame, it fucking falls off. And it just does not become, it really doesn't become the same same slate that we had last week, same slate that we'll have I think next week's really good as well. Um, you're just, it's just not that good. So you have the Badgers, you have Notre Dame. Now the Badgers are favored by five and a half, which is an absurd line. We're going to talk a lot about that on Friday. Wisconsin can play themselves right back into the playoff. So Wisconsin's hovering around anywhere from 10 to 15. I didn't look, I apologize. But the Badgers are in the mix, shall we say. The Big Ten is as wide open as it maybe has ever been in the playoff era. Ohio State is a fucking mess. Um, they do not know who's going to call the plays. They have bad turf. They just, they, they're they not themselves. They're discombobulated. And maybe it starts with a quarterback. Maybe the C.J. Stroud just doesn't have it and is not the guy that I think Ohio State expected him to be. I mean, they were close with Tulsa until they kind of pulled away at the end and they got it done. So I think everybody should be smelling blood in the water, including the batters. And the Badgers should look at their schedule and say, we have a real opportunity here to make ourselves a playoff contender. And it really only takes three games, barring you don't stub your toe in any of the other ones. If the Badgers beat Notre Dame, they don't even need to beat them convincingly. They don't even need to cover the spread. If they win that game, their Badgers right now are 18th. They've actually fallen quite a bit. Um, they're 18th. But they all Wisconsin needs to do is win that game. They win that game, then all of a sudden you you move you'll move up in the ratings. You'll probably actually like flip with Notre Dame. You'll be twelfth. Then you'll have Michigan. Michigan, I think, is really really good. But again, huge game. You're at home. 
Chris has done well against Harbaugh in his career. As long as you don't stub your toe against Illinois, Army, or Purdue, then you have Iowa again at home on 10.30, which is also a noon start. My God, Fox. Fox is obsessed with putting... That That sucks. I will say that. I, I'm not one to bitch about noon starts. Sorry for the kind of divert topic, but like, it's Halloween weekend in Madison. How do you not have that as a night game or a, a mid-afternoon game? Like, the mid-afternoon Big Ten game is dead. It is. It has absolutely been killed by big noon, big noon Saturday. And I get it. The Badgers have a lot of premier games, but that that just sucks. Anyways. Illinois, or not Illinois, those three games right there, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Iowa, are three. They're the only three ranked opponents that Wisconsin faces for the rest of the year. Still, those are three major games that will have major ramifications where Wisconsin could easily win all three, and then if they run the table, you're looking and you're like, Wisconsin has a great resume. They lost to Penn State. Who knows what Penn State will look like? And if, if you're Wisconsin, you are the biggest Penn State fan for the rest of the year. You are cheering the fact that they beat Auburn at home. Because now you're looking at it and you're like, well, maybe Penn State wasn't that bad. And Penn State at that time started off as 19. Penn State's up to number six. Now they play Villanova and Iowa and or, or Indiana, and then they go to Iowa. And then they have Ohio State on 10:30 as well, and that's at Ohio State. And they also play Michigan, Michigan State. Like they have a much difficult path than Wisconsin. Still, you can get a ton of brownie points by the amount of winning you can do in the next few weeks. And I think that there are a, there's a real path. And I know people might not want to believe in Wisconsin right now. Because they've only played two games. They looked kind of impressive against Eastern Michigan. They certainly look impressive on the ground. What's real, what's not? I think there are a lot of questions about Paul Chris play calling. I think this is a massive weekend for him, by the way. And I think Paul Chris needs to deliver. And if he doesn't, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It, it should be a very interesting college football year. I think... This has a vibe of 2007 where we never knew who was going to be in it at the end. I think you're going to have a topsy-turvy year. Alabama doesn't look safe. And they have Old Miss in two weeks. And yep, it'll be probably the biggest game in Old Miss history. Old Miss, 16. They look like one of the best teams in football. Matt Corral is the Heisman winner at this point. I wish I had Heisman odds on Matt. I think he was 20 to 1 at the time. I have Hayes Kings and Desmond Ritter. Hayes Kings is done. I went really in on Texas AM. I I went, I think what happened there is I went in on the wrong horse, okay? Like if I went in on Old Miss and Cliff, or uh, Kiff, excuse me, not Cliff, I, I would be set right now. I'd be feeling great. But I went in on Texas AM and there you have it. Shit happens. That's that's gambling right there for you folks. All right. Tomorrow, tapping the keg, Mitch and I are going to talk rivalries. We're going to talk postseason rosters. Maybe a little Bucks topic. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of want to get Mitch's thoughts on the Ted Davis conspiracy stuff I wrote about and did some some social shit about. I don't know. We'll see what Mitch wants to talk about. Um, we obviously should do some Badger Notre Dame, too. We'll do Cohen versus Mertz. All that. I think that's a great, you know, Mitch and I love talking media. 
think that's a, a great media topic to discuss as it's going to be the primary storyline as we head into the game on Saturday. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. All right. See you. Bye.